Welcome back to the basement, everyone. You are now tuning into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and I hope you guys are, uh, are comfortable, settled in, ready to go on yet another audio adventure with us. Uh, this week, we're digging back through uh, our, our recent archives. We've been taping a whole metric fuck ton of these things this year because we want to cover uh, a lot of albums instead of just trying to do like one a week or two a week. Uh, so uh, this one, you're going to be hearing uh, me and Eduardo talk about a new album by uh, Megadeth called Dystopia that came out a little ways back. Uh, you know, we're both like huge metal fans, like any good music lover should be. Uh, Megadeth is one of the most legendary metal bands, so obviously they're going to release an album. Uh, we got to at least give it a listen. Uh, so you get to hear the uh, the hilarious, possibly rye-infused results of that. We did tape it after uh, a podcast. I forget which one, though, but we did. this was the second podcast we were taping in a row. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about a thing, uh, new thing from Numero Group. It's uh, called Project 12. If you don't know Numero Group, they're labeled out of Chicago. And they focus on sort of finding old, out-of-print, uh, rare LPs. Uh, originally, it was, it was a lot of funk and soul. Now it's getting into folk, metal, punk, stuff like that. Uh, so they have a new uh, record club, and it's uh, 12 LPs for one cent, and then the small prints is two forty nine ninety nine dollars uh, post and packing. Uh, so basically what you're getting is uh, 12 albums, uh, of stuff that they aren't going to be releasing anywhere else. You hear me talk about it a little more back here, but uh, so we we, you know, we love Numero Group here. That they're uh, that's the biggest sort of I guess sadness of audio going away was that uh, you could find them in there and start by label. You can't do that in Apple Music. You can't do that in Spotify. Uh, but if you could, uh, then that's all you would need to listen to. Because they're truly amazing, and this record club is actually pretty amazing. So uh, we're going to be talking about that as well, uh, and also some uh, ticketing stuff, because you know we love that better than title. Uh, so that is going to be your podcast this week. Uh, if you're ready, I'll go ahead and hit play, and get ready. So you know, get comfortable. You set? Y'all good? Here we go. This is episode number 159 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. We're talking about Megadeth's new album, Dystopia. Okay. It's here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man leaves. Merely a two-word review. Just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. That right there is a wonderful sound. Oh shit! On Instagram. Oh shit! Four hundred thousand likes. How metal is that? <laughs> I mean, um, in my world, on a today, scale of yeah. one to metal. <laughs> well, cats are metal, right? Yeah, cats yeah. are completely metal. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're way metaler than dogs. Dogs this, are like on this fucking podcast. They're metal. Dogs are like reggae and jam bands. Cats, <laughs> cats are metal. Go on. <laughs> Uh, this is an interesting theory you have. Um, it's being worked out in real time. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo, you're back down in the basement again. I feel like I never leave here. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I feel like that too, but it's okay. It's a big place. You know, we can 
put you in with the rest of the bodies. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got a little cot in the back. Actually, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Basically, basically, we have scared everyone off, which I was sad that we scared Paul off uh, because there comes a time in every man's life where you have to talk about some metal. And and it turns out that very few men are equipped to do it. Yeah, so. yeah, and and maybe very few men are equipped to make metal anymore. But we'll we'll get around to that. This is true. Uh, we'll get around to that. Um, we're going to be talking about a little Megadeth today, something that um, I think you might have grown up on a little more than I did. Uh, I definitely grew up on it, but I mean, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I'll get yeah. into the meaning of it before that. Um. Recently, and this is something we talk about a lot on the podcast. Uh, there's an article posted in the New York Times, uh, and it's basically a report released by New York Attorney report released by New York Attorney General uh, Eric T. Schneiderman entitled "Why Can't New Yorkers Get Tickets?" Uh, it is the result of a three-year investigation. Um, one of the things they dig up is that a single high-tech scalper bought up a thousand tickets with the help of bots. To mm-hmm. a recent U2 show. Uh, the whole article is is basically saying, you know, we have a crisis in the ticketing industry where fans are not able to get their tickets. And we know that this is because of bad actors and secondary mm-hmm. markets and whatnot. In, it's interesting because in New York right now, a, a solution that I suggest and, and – really am a proponent for paperless ticketing. That's illegal. Yeah. Thanks which, to which, what? Lobbyists? Mafia? I don't know. <laughs> right, which right. do we want to go with? Uh, um, yeah. Why you would not allow that is just beyond me. You know, there are, I think there are very simple measures you can take well, to make sure. Why. Yeah, I know. I know. There's rent, rent seekers with poll. Um, but um, and I, and and you and I have talked about this before in terms of like you know highly sought after tickets. Like I think the last yeah. time, the it was Kanye and uh, the Lincoln. Yeah, um, last couple of times Bruce Springsteen has played in D.C. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried to get tickets because the like three times ago or something I tried. Yeah, and the ticket limit per person I think was eight. Right, and I just thought this is. There is no, there is absolutely zero reason for that to happen. And if the artist doesn't care enough to stop that from happening, then I'm not sure I care enough to put in the effort. Well, to, this is this is what that study actually um, sort of brought to light. I mean, and I and I say brought to light, but this is this is well known. This is right? common you, sense. Yeah, this yeah. is common sense. And, and I've talked off mic, and we're gonna talk about this actually. Um, you know that sometimes up to seventy uh, percent of the venue is basically what's called put on hold. And mm-hmm. that can be to promotional concerns. That can be to the artist, which I think to the artist, that is actually valid. Right. The artist wants to sell their tickets. In fact, you know, talking about Springsteen, they did do paperless ticketing, but only to the hold that they had. Mm-hmm. Now, that hold was, was sort of controlled by the promoter of the show at the Verizon Center, which I believe this time is monumental. It might not. I don't know if they... They they generally booked the Verizon Center, but uh, it's probably Live Nation. Uh, so they're only getting a small percentage of those, and those percentage of the tickets are paperless ticket. The rest are available now to American Express. Uh, some right. direct directly to StubHub. Van Halen proved that they got busted right. doing that. Right, right, right. Uh, you know all these different uh, avenues where the actual 
actual market cost of the ticket suddenly becomes apparent. Uh, if you believe that is the actual market cost uh, of of the ticket, um, you know, in New York, it's it, 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 it's it's just a weird thing. It's like resale brokers there; they're required to have a license. What they found is that they do not have a license. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, StubHub has actually been doing things uh, they call speculative ticket pricing, which I, is I, yeah, I, which is saying like this is how much the ticket might be. It is it is almost. Uh, it's a weird like back end stock market, uh, which considering they just uh, ban like FanDuel and, and all those gambling things, hmm. like why that's gambling, you know, in some sense, uh, you know, if you're betting, you know, the ticket, I mean, there has to be some, some bookie putting odds on this, right. Uh, somewhere, uh, I guess it is a fascinating article, you know, read, if you're confused right now, read the article and then, and then come back to us. My question in reading is, I think we see this article pop up every few, uh, at least every few years, but certainly every few months. Like, why isn't anybody fucking doing anything about this? Because the solution is uh, paperless ticketing. Right. And I'll tell you why. Because here's here's the arguments against it. And there's always the not not the families talking about this, but the promoter saying that this is in speaking for the families like, oh, well, uh, the babysitter fell through and I can't do this. Uh, it, all these things that could happen where you might not be able to make it to the show uh, and you're required to get into the show to show your ID, swipe the card like there is no ticket, swipe the card you paid for it with. And then once you're in, you are in. Uh, what that implies is that there, it's really hard to sell your tickets. Reset, right, right. So the reality of that situation is is that none of these ticketing companies have a, I think, return policy at all. Mm-hmm. You, you can push them and get right. it, but most of them have zero return policy, which is absurd. Uh, and that they're basically impeding that because they don't care if – like the, the bottom line is what's important for a place like say the nine thirty club here in town mm-hmm. or any venue really, uh, any promoter in any club around the thing. So if they sell all their tickets, right? They're they're they the- they are in their mind absolved of any responsibility to that. Which I say, fuck you, yeah. because, because you are part of a community. Yeah. Well, well, they are in the ticket selling business, not the event. Correct. Uh, making an event successful Correct. business. The right? argument. So the argument. The minute the ticket is sold, they don't give a shit. And it's 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 true with sports. It's true yeah. with live music. Because um, how many times have you walked into an event that is like so sold out, yeah. and it ends up being like sixty percent full, seventy percent full? So I've used. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll confess to something now. I have used a ticket broker on one occasion. Um, I, I mean, and, dude, uh, we all have. Yeah, have, and and, have, and I feel there's times when you want to see the show. I yeah, mean, and and I feel a deep and abiding sense of shame about it. It was um, to go see Eddie Izzard, and I was well. At I mean, a, that's a whole different type of shame. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. I was yeah. actually sitting next to Dennis Kucinich, which was uh, really cool too. Yeah, but um, but 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 I've also been um, and and I kept thinking about this reading that article, um. It used to take a lot more effort to do this before, uh, before the internet and web-based purchasing. So yeah. when, when Tom Waits toured on Mule Variations in 1999, mm-hmm. 
I bought tickets to see him that he was playing like a nine night run in New York. I bought tickets to see him on Friday. I was going to go with a really good friend of mine, Evan. And, um, and we're getting close to this is 1999. So you're not getting them through, you know, by email. So I'm just waiting for this envelope to arrive. And we're, it's like a week out from the date of the show and I haven't gotten the tickets yet. So I call Ticketmaster and they say what probably happened is that your tickets got lost in the mail. So you have to show up at the venue with the confirmation number, which you never wrote down when you ordered, yeah, yeah, when yeah. You ordered tickets yeah, online. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah absolutely like, not. And so you have to show up at the venue with your credit card or the confirmation number and they will give you a piece of paper that says that you have two tickets. And then so that means that you have to meet your friend before the show. Actually, it turned out we had a spare that, that I wanted to sell at the door, which I would have sold at face value to some other fellow yeah. Waits fan. And so now all I could do is say to this guy, hey, look, I have this piece of paper from the venue that says I have three tickets. You can hang out with me and you have to come in with me, <laughs> right? Because that's the only way we get admitted to the event. Um, it all worked out. I actually met a cool guy. We all went out for sushi before the show, met his right. girlfriend. It was a whole story, typical of a Waits show. Halfway through the show, this guy shows up and he says, you're in, you're in my seats. And he had actually brought security with him to remove me from his seats. And (laughs) which, so at that point, I produced a piece of paper from the venue saying, I'm sorry, you bought stolen tickets. Right. And security turns to him. Had he not brought security, he would have been allowed to stay at the show. Yeah. Right. But because security's standing right there, they say, sir, you don't have tickets. You're going to have to leave. And if this guy listens to this podcast and, and you would know if this happened to you, I apologize, but I still have those stubs because I asked security to retrieve them from you because I wanted them from my ticket scrapbook right, right, thing or whatever, yeah, because yeah. I wanted those fucking tickets, man. And they, but so, the, yeah. but so someone had to know that there were tickets being mailed out on this date from this post office, from Ticketmaster right. for a performer who hadn't performed in New York in 12 years. Right. Which is, and that's old school. Yeah. That's like, that's like cloak and dagger shit. Yeah. You know, now, now you're just having a thousand auto, because, because the numbers in the article are staggering. Yeah. Right. Like fewer than maybe a quarter of the tickets for most events are actually being sold to people mm-hmm. trying to buy tickets legally. And yet uh, for an event like Springsteen, we'll be told by a PR agency, like tickets are real tight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Which again, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it is this, uh, uh, uh yeah, maybe 2016 is the year I get really down on in the industry for this type of stuff. Uh, I I understand and respect capitalism. I understand and respect making money. What I expect from somebody who's going to be doing that is simply say, that's all I care about. Right. I'm a dick. That's all I care about. And no company does that. Every company tries right. to say we are part of a community and we want to, you know, foster this and do this and we want to look for solutions and the solution exists it's viable you know fielding one complaint two complaints for even two complaints a show Mm -hmm. from uh, a couple who may have been coming out like using the babysitter model couldn't make couldn't make the show and then couldn't get rid of their tickets right um that's just called doing your job, you know, as opposed right. to just basically flooding the market with what you know to be, uh, you know, it's going straight to the secondary market, right. eight ticket minimum, six ticket minimum. Uh, I've seen like 16 ticket minimum, like under like what, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just so disrespectful to the people who actually want to be there. Right. 
um, not to take measures to do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think um, I, I've not been to a show where they had true paperless ticketing yet. Right. Um, so I'll be curious to, to, to see how that works. Uh, although it doesn't solve the problem of like, you know, again, in that article, like in some cases, two thirds of the, of the tickets like are never making it to market anyway. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, but and that's 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 an internal problem, and that's right. that's a problem with how they're being like <laughs> shifted around. But you know, this gets into more uh, how this impacts the artist is that if you and, I, and I'm just using Nine Thirty Club as an example because they are the main club here in DC. Mm-hmm. If you come to DC and you sell at the Nine Thirty Club, um, but you are only actually selling forty five, forty percent. Thirty percent of your tickets on the fr- on the primary market. Right, that's your market share, and what right. happens? And what happens is you can sustain that for a couple of years, but the drop off is steep. And so as soon as like that speculation goes away, like you're left with you can't fill the black cat, and nobody's going to book you. And right, you know, again, this gets into like people not caring about. Uh, this happening and just being like, well, the we we sell out the club. Everybody's happy right now. But every single band that we've talked to, every single band that makes music as far as I know, mm-hmm. is really concerned in 2016 of how they make a living. And so they're talking about, uh, you know, bitching about Spotify and bitching about album sales. You need to be concerned about this. And you need to be concerned about this now. Because if you're coming down and you really should be playing the Black Cat backstage, but you're moderately filling the 930 Club, your career is going to be over. Right. And you're not going to know why. Right. You're right. going to be like, well, shit. <laughs> like, what do I do now? It's, yeah. Um, I think, I think what's, what's especially galling too is that it's not a question of like the monetary value of the tickets because the people who are, who well, likely have access to the, to the hold tickets, mm-hmm. they can afford the tickets. They would just rather peddle their influence or whatever yeah. to get, right? I mean, yeah. and so, and so that's the other thing that's like, you know, you've asked people to shell out 17, 25, 35, 45 bucks to be here, whatever it is. And it turns out that like a lot of those tickets are, are going for whatever the at cost rate is. And it's just, it's just part of the venues overhead or the art or the artist mm-hmm. takes the hit right on a, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. It's messy. I, the article made me sad. It made me glad that it was published. I want to see. Mm-hmm. I want to see one of these a week. Like I want yeah. to see people just continuously publishing and hammering this home. Like the only solution and the correct solution is paperless ticketing. There is no downside to this period. And we should we we should have checked to see what Adele tickets are going because after that gigantic, Adele was one of the ones yeah, at Verizon yeah. Center that also uh-huh. has a segment of paperless ticketing. Right, but it's only the ones that were given to her. And at that size, she was not given a proportionate amount of tickets. Right. You know, right. if you know, Pearl Jam famously fought Ticketmaster, they lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still doing this. There, There is, you know, we advocate for people to be more independent. Uh, but at the same time, you've still got these locks uh, very much, you know, like teachers unions, for example, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on stuff where you just can't get inside that. And that fucking sucks. And hopefully that's going to be changing uh, as as the world goes forward because people will just ignore to play there. If you can, right. I mean, I hate to say like you, you can play a house show, a DIY venue and make as much money as you can play in a club. You should fucking do it. Yeah. Because you're going to uh, build your base because the people who are going to be there, it's going to be maybe 
uh, especially if you're maybe it was a good size venue, maybe a couple hundred people less, mm-hmm. uh, you might make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those are the people that are there to see you. Well, right, and you'll have and you'll have a, a more lasting and more sustainable. Yeah. "Quote unquote" business model, not that we should call right. fans that, but well, but, and, but that's and so then a, when you come back, your, when you yeah. come back, you also have a sort of a leverage, right? You're like, no, 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 yeah, you, yeah I yeah, need, yeah. I need this guarantee, right? Because this is the crowd I'm going to draw. I think on the Simpsons, Mr. Burns bought Ticketmaster, and yeah. Smithers said it was a, it was a great way to ensure a healthy mix of the rich and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> So turns out <laughs> that was yeah. that was absolutely correct. Yeah. So uh, read the article. Uh, yeah. Offer suggestions. You know, email us, tweet at us, uh, do whatever. You can come down to the basement and talk about it. I know. Of course. Uh, Share your ticketing frustrations, although not about the Adele show because that's not interesting. <laughs> I mean, to some. Yeah. Okay. Don't be that guy, man. Well, I'm not. I'm not anti. I'm not a hater. Uh, <laughs> We we all were anti a minute ago, but now we're all metal. So yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're speaking of weeks back. That took the time <laughs> That's machine. right. That's right. Um, all right. So on from uh, ticketing. Uh, so you want? Let's talk about some metal. Views there in Bordeaux. Uh, that is The Threat is Real of a Megadeth's uh, most recent album, Dystopia. Um, I uh, grew up, I think, in the era of Megadeth. And uh, turns out we still we still live in the era. We of still Megadeth. live in the era of Megadeth. <laughs> kind of. Uh, like all good metal back then, they, they scared the living fuck out of me. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the point of metal. But for, for this song, uh, you know. Let's run down the metal checklist here. Uh, <laughs> leprosy, check. Yep. Paranoia, check. <laughs> Blazing guitars, Fuck check. Yes. <laughs> uh, that sweet Middle Eastern shred. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then, then a line like backroom meetings and rendezvous, the vultures have come home to rest. Is. <laughs> In light of uh, we we are actually taping this tonight of the Republican debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in light of that, uh, you know, I actually sense a little optimism from this song. Is has, has uh, Dave Mustaine become the uh, the metal Bernie Sanders? 
He is. Is he out to save us all? He's, um, I think he's probably more so the <laughs> metal Sarah Palin. <laughs> is, is that where you are? Yeah, I, I mean, well, it, he's. There's a, there's a, there's a, throughout this album, there's, there's a, just a, a just a tangible sense of, of hope, of, of, <laughs> He's gonna save it's the world, which album. is so like to my mind anti-metal. Yeah. Like, yeah, metal was supposed to scary, but now I'm just like I'm, I'm fucking fired up. I want to vote. Well, there is some <laughs> there is some swagger to this. Unfortunately, uh, I think um, you know Dave. I, I I'm really curious to see how Dave Mustaine's political statements are gonna play out in the press for this album. Yeah, because he has said some like powerfully stupid things. Um, Is he, as one of my friends uh, intimated to me today, uh, a neocon? He's, well, this is, this is what's weird, right? Because a line, like a line about the backroom deals, like he could have written that and he would have, he probably did write that, uh, a line like that in the, in the eighties. I right. think it was and, on an album cover. It was just sprawled yeah. on the the background. (laughs) Um, He sells, I mean, that's essentially that. He sells, he sells, Dot, dot, dot. They're, they're, they were also in the in their heyday. They used more ellipses, I think, than most bands ever do when they're into. So there was. And it's because the uh, umlaut was copyrighted. Yeah. So there was. <laughs> there was so far That's so the new good copyright fight <laughs> over the umlaut. Free the umlaut. <laughs> um, but so yeah. So they had peace cells, but who's buying? So far so good. So what? Killing is my business, dot, 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 and business is good. Yeah. So, so a lot of ellipses. But, but no, so, so a line about backroom deals and sort of a, a, a line that's anti-authoritarian that he could have written in, say, 1987 or 89 mm-hmm. in reference to, like, a Reagan or Bush administration would have put him very neatly in one political camp. Yeah. Uh, what he said over the past five or ten years are things to the effect of, like, the Newtown shootings didn't happen and they were orchestrated oh. by Obama as an effort to take away all of our guns. This is when it pays <laughs> to do a facts-based research because now, uh, now I feel like we shouldn't be talking about this. He, really? Yeah, he's, he said some, he said uh. some uh, out there things um, which are, which, you know, it's, it's, it turns out though that it's really good for his music, and he's and and he's kept. Um, I think he's kept enough of those particulars out that you can listen to it just as it's a generalized. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, I think a couple of songs hit a little bit heavier, like the the emperor having no clothes. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you, because so my friend told me that before I got to that track, mm-hmm. and so that started to color everything I was, and then I was like, Oh, well, this is just an anti Obama thing. Yeah. There's, but is it? Well, con- <laughs> um, it less so than, uh, the United abominations album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but it's not, there isn't like a coherent political philosophy there. And I don't want, I don't want us to, to like, I don't want to necessarily make us stay there because some of it's just like random crackpot, like, you know, someone who's kind of n- well, <laughs> not that who's, who's thinking on issues just isn't that sophisticated, it, and who believes in the Illuminati and stuff like that. <laughs> so, it is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely typical. Uh, I guess metal fodder, right? Uh, uh, what what made me uh, what I enjoyed about this album is it's, it, it 
throughout the message is consistent. Yeah. <laughs> it is consistently metal and uh consistently uh conspiracy. Uh-huh. And and this is this is all stuff that is very classic. Yeah. Um metal and metal needs an antagonist, right? Like you right. can't have a metal album where like there isn't someone bad or out to get you or 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 something. So um and I think that um there are God, you know, the, this album is just kind of like crackling with that, um, with that, with anger and with, um, uh, and it's interesting that you said it made you feel hopeful. Like there is this, you know, Megadeth, I think unlike a lot of other bands from there, from Dave Mustaine's era, mm-hmm. um, they always had this kind of melodic quality, um, almost like there's almost like a certain melancholy to their sound that's not forced in a way that like the Metallica symphonic stuff was forced. Right. And I think that works in, a, in a, some bands like uh, maybe Queens, right? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, this is, I mean, and I, I think all metal of this period is very much a snapshot into the life of... Uh, I guess what we'll refer to as the elusive e- e- emotive alpha male. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm glad it hasn't changed. <laughs> right. Because that's was, the point it, of it. it. It's always, it's always, it's like an, ex- it's like an exhibit and going through this and going through my notes, <laughs> like, like an exhibit. By song four, <laughs> it was just like, man, it's all the damn same. <laughs> and, um, you know, you have like a track called like Bullet to the Brain, aggressive, mm-hmm. aggro, uh, but I think it's about relationships. Uh, <laughs> nothing nothing costs as much as playing the game. Yeah. And my yeah. note was like, oh, sexy. Not really. <laughs> I used ellipsis, actually. Um, <laughs> it's this is such a weird goddamn album to be talking about in 2016 because you, we, we often talk about artists trying to push themselves. And change, and uh, and then we talk about artists trying to stay in their lane and doing just the thing, right? And they fucking stayed in their lane. They yeah. fucking. <laughs> this is this is this this album um, without changing anything about Megadeth. Like it's like um, it it just it updates everything about the Megadeth sound without fundamentally altering or, you know, because because the production is actually. Like it sounds really good. It sounds way better than a metal album recorded ten or even twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, so so it 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 does that. It's like um, it's like a a remake of a movie that is just that just plays better to modern audiences. Yeah. yeah. And and even sometimes like although I don't think we you know you always want to admit this about yourself like sometimes. <laughs> Commando? Did you say? Yeah. I guess. <laughs> is, um. You know, sometimes you want to see the modern thing like, yeah, there, are, yeah. there, are, you know, uh, so and sometimes you want to hear the more modern version of something that you liked 20 or 30 <laughs> years ago. And so I I mean, I think by uh, I think the the st- the benchmark for a successful Megadeth album is mm-hmm. is low, but uh, but they've certainly exceeded that here. Yeah. So let's start tracking them and come back and talk about a little metal in general. Uh, so here we're gonna hear uh, the title track, Dystopia. So here you go, uh, Megadeth.
right, so dystopia, you get the picture, man. <laughs> you get it. You, you feel it. Um, you know, it. you've talked a lot about, like, the sound of this album, and, and so I, I want to talk a little bit about... I have I've heard from metal fans, which there are uh, a lot of uh, in this area. Uh, again, the uh, the dude bro is, is the most likely candidate, uh, yeah. but no, not, not not exclusively. You can get you know, Mastodon fans, uh, and they're a great band who takes the prog into it. Uh, but here, like in America, we've always had a certain sense of metal as a very uh, I hate I mean I've said alpha male a bunch but it's it's a very aggressively um, in a bad connotation way yeah. but I feel like uh, it might be celebrated more um, vicarious or, or <laughs> vivaciously abroad <laughs> uh, and I know certainly in Europe but like definitely in like Brazil, like in yeah, South America, yeah, like absolutely. It, it is, you know, your first thing was about Faith No More. You're, you are hands down the biggest Faith No More fan I, I ever know. Proud, proud to wear that crown. And, and, but your take on it is not like, oh, smash shit and fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, th- I think there's, and right. So with Faith No More, they, you know, they got, dude bros to sing along to a song about what was probably a homosexual blowjob and be aggressive. Right. Correct. And so that's just a, Correct. you know, faith and more a different, different breed. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with a lot of, of, you know, the, the sort of the canonical, uh, eighties metal bands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, Megadeth are especially interesting to me in that setting because like Metallica, clearly set off for like world domination in the early 90s. And a lot of these guys were were peaking at a time when you had like Eastern Europe opening up. Um, yeah. In Brazil, we got MTV around that time for the first time. Um, and so they were the result of like kind of neoliberal policies that were allowing American media to make its way into a lot of countries. And so I think for a lot of people, like maybe – the Czech Revolution, uh, the the Velvet Revolution, right? Like maybe the mm-hmm. people leading it were into the Velvet Underground, but the people they were fighting for wanted to see Metallica and, and right, Megadeth, right? The elites were the Velvets. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so. it's weird because it is, it is uh, in theory, uh, music for the masses. Mm. That is metal. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's music of rebellion so much. Although I don't know why it would ever be music for the masses, because to play it, you factually have to have an eight-string guitar, which is expensive <laughs> as fuck. Right. You have to have at least two Marshall stacks, uh, a decent-sized pedal board, and probably, if you're going to do it right, some pyrotechnics. And don't forget the double-kick drum. And the so. double-kick drum. I mean, so that's an <laughs> extra yep. fucking That's a kick lot drum. of time. So, you know, may, that whole... We just busted that whole myth like <laughs> wide open. Yeah, I it's um it's weird to me. Like the, honestly, maybe the scar that MTV left on the world. Yeah, <laughs> as people first actually. got that and said that's culture, uh, and that is our fault. I think America, <laughs> like we did that. We should be ashamed. There's a whole generation of people who've been damaged by like early '90s MTV. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Sponsored metal. Silverchair. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, but like to my mind, 
it's it's very much a uh, it's a difference. I I know uh, Andre is over in Turkey right now, but I know other friends who have been over in Europe, and you go to the festivals there, and you'll see a, a legacy metal band. Oh yeah, uh, like Megadeth actually play, and uh, and the same is true in South America. Like or if like Guns N' Roses going to brings yeah. the biggest crowds. That's not partially. B- because of the separation of the city centers, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, and the population density, but at the same time, like a crowd that big could not exist in America. Like we couldn't manage yeah. it uh, for a lot of these shows. But people over there like still celebrate like Foreigner. <laughs> they they do indeed um, because it's just it's, it's just music and and like the fucking rock and roll never dies. Yeah, which is which is what's sort of thrilling about this is that. They uh, there was a quote from Chris Adler who, who's Lamb of God who, who uh, plays on this album, um, and he he was talking about it. He basically said he went when he started talking to Dave Mustaine about making this. He said he he wanted to help make the album the Megadeth album that he as a fan wanted to make, and uh, not bad. I think. You, they all went from the standpoint, so now it sounds like fucking Megadeth. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and it, and it's and it's like a tight version of you know like the like a lot of bands in the eighties. Megadeth had some had some bloated albums, um, yeah. and then some albums that were just like you know showing off how fast you could play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how many sixteenth notes you could you know. Crank, Nobody should like, play this fast. <laughs> yeah, right. Yet, yet it's yeah. here. It's fucking. It's like it's a. Like, I've played guitar now for, God, close to thirty years. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried. It's... I sprained some shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was well. I um. I, I think quickly too to your point about uh, like the way metal is seen outside of the U.S. Yeah. Um, so there's still every couple of years there's still a, a rock and Rio festival. It's usually somewhere between six, six and ten nights. Yeah. See, that was actually in the back of my mind. That's what I was referencing. But that started yeah. when MTV pushed in there. Yep. So so actually there was the the very first rock and Rio was in '86 and or '85 or something. And I had the McDonald's commemorative cup for it that you could buy in in Brazil with your Happy Meal or whatever. And the highlights of that everyone said were like. Rush, Iron Maiden, I think, I think Ozzy might have played. Um, there were a couple of other things, mm-hmm. but, um, but so now there are at least two nights of that festival that are dedicated to metal. So if you have like a seven night festival, two nights are designated metal <laughs> nights. That's amazing, <laughs> and, right? And so, um, why why would a metal band ever try to like perform in America then anymore? And, and why can't we do that here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's it's I, I like we've got a lot of Trump voters, and I guarantee right, there's the anger. Cro- the crossover of that audience yeah. pretty high. Yeah. Well, why? You know, assuming that it's that it's music that that helps people. Well, so well, so here's a question that I've never been able to answer. Assuming that it's music that's supposed to help you channel anger, why yes. are most American metal bands from Florida? And why would Rio? If you were in, a, if you so were in Florida, men- you would be so fucking angry. <laughs> yeah, no, I would. I Only would, thing can, good comes out of Florida is Roadkill Ghost Choir, and <laughs> even they're in Athens, Georgia now. So that should say something. Um, but 
and and a lot of them come out of like very otherwise very happy Scandinavian countries, right? Scandinavian countries yeah. that have qual- a quality of life that like yeah. we all envy. That yeah, you know that if you feel the burn, will be <laughs> delivered yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah, right? um, yeah. Back and, to my point about how, yeah. how I feel about this. Like, and they're also making the angriest, most destructive, kind of violent. Well, music some of them that, aren't making the most the angriest, and I don't. I don't think this is actually the angriest, and that that that's mm-hmm. also what strikes me. I mean. When I say listen to this as a kid, it's scary. It is. There's yeah. a point where Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer and Anthrax and and honest to God, even Winger. But that's for a different yeah. reason. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was scary, the sounds they were creating. And then... And you liked it because it was transgressive and because yes. it scared yes. older people. Yes. Like that was... Uh, yeah. and, and But then when you get to the point where you start paying attention to this stuff and, and like we paying attention to this particular album... Uh, you know, it's it's loud, but it's not scary. And, right. you know, I can appreciate, like, all the technical skill going into this. Uh, but still is managing to, to my mind, like, we may not agree with his message. Mm-hmm. And it, he may have obfuscated that. <laughs> but... Uh, the thing, like, the thing I get out of it is, is a... a Maybe a gentle rage, yeah. Um, that is very much needed, I think, in in a way that really is on, or not only mainly relatable to the dude bros. Yeah, it's it's um, like there's a lot more subtle like protest songs, a lot more subtle and a lot more eloquent. Uh, songs of uh, anger against like the ills in society. Uh, I mean, take uh, Kendrick Lamar's "To Pimp a Butterfly." Mm-hmm. But the majority of people who say would listen to this, and I, I'm not passing judgment on that. I'm just saying, it might not necessarily pick up on those uh, <laughs> subtleties and overtones in "Pimp a Butterfly." Whereas this, um, you know, you've got your thundering. Yeah, double kick drum. You've got your f- fucking heavy riffage. You've got your growling Dave Mustaine saying something that means, even if it's just a little piece, an incremental piece, that means something in your fight to maybe make the world better. Um, wow, that's a lot. That's it is a lot. lot to but, take and, in, and but... Now, now, the, the, add on to the end of that that the point of metal used to be actually to scare you, right. like Hail Satan, right. Right. Um, It's there's there's a I don't I don't know where this turning point happens. But but part of the thing that I would always say about metal um, when I was defending it to people is that, sure, it might, you know, to your ears, parents or, Mm -hmm. you know, girlfriend or whoever, it might sound like it's this. But if you actually read the lyrics, like they're actually talking about you know, things that we all agree with. And, and actually the, the, yeah, that, yeah, you know, the example that jumps to mind actually is the song fucking hostile by Pantera <laughs> off of vulgar display of <laughs> right, power, right. which like, which is basically about like, Hey parents, I don't judge people by the way they look or by whether they smoke pot. And I believe that what makes a person good is what's inside of them. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, you know, and, and, uh, it, and it's basically like a child, a, a childishly simple message about exactly. a way to view the Which world. Is, yeah, and that was my point. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I think what we, what we want when we go back to metal is, is a little bit of that, yeah. like 
that very simple message of like, you just want to hear it delivered with a slightly different edge sometimes. You want to hear it delivered and you don't want to hear it, have to think about it. Yeah, right. You know, I, I was joking with Paul uh, over G-Chat today about maybe we should cover the Dream Theater album. Oh, man. <laughs> no, because we shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, we might. If you're into it, we, we might. But but sometimes just like pop, just like any other like sugary, simple like delivery thing, you just need the... The simple hit. I mean, ACDC, yeah. that's why they have a career. Right. Because they, right. they are, like, egregiously efficient at getting that down. More efficient than any band on the planet. I, I, I can't believe I'm about to do this, but, but I just – so earlier you said that it's like an exhibit – yeah. Right. That like nothing has changed. And there's oh fuck. I'm, I'm doing this. So um, in the catcher <laughs> in the catcher in the rye. Oh! <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. God. But this is a good point. There is okay. a point about I think he's talking about the Museum of uh, the uh, of Natural History in New York. Yeah. Um, and that he keeps talking about that. The point of it is that you that it doesn't change, but you do. And so you go back to yeah. it and you keep and it's a way of seeing yourself. So I think. That if if you've if you've ever liked this type of music, if there's ever been a part of you that connected with yeah. metal as an art form, then then you owe it to yourself to check back in with it every now and then to see yeah just to just to see yourself through those eyes again. Yeah. So so I mean, what, what's your verdict going to be then on this? I, I'll I'm I'm gonna um I'm gonna stream it more times than I care to admit. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's a stream. It's a stream for me. Okay. Yeah. Not a full pass, not a buy either, but not a full pass. Ah, interesting. Yeah. No, no, no. It'll be, I'll come, I'll, I'll be, I'll be listening to this through, through the spring. I think so. I, I, uh, this is tough. I'm swinging a little higher. Are you really? Yeah, I, I really I, am. I, can, I, I cannot wait to hear this. I am, I am, uh, I, I'm thinking, uh, because so much of this album makes me just laugh at the <laughs> commitment to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that uh, it might be a buy. Wow. Might might be a buy for me. Damn. Um, I is it the best Megadeth album? No, no. Is it the best metal album? No, uh, probably not of this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not of this week. But uh, you know, it is a testament. Pun intended. To, uh -huh. <laughs> to to uh, a thing that just doesn't necessarily exist anymore, and I think they executed so flawlessly on that yeah. that I, I can't deny that. So the, it, you know, I will echo your sentiment. If if you ever ever have enjoyed this in your life, check back in on this. Yeah, uh, and then uh, maybe check back in on your older shit. Yeah, do it. Catalog, so. So there you go, sort of a yeah for uh, <laughs> screeching guitars. What we have witnessed is the decline of Western civilization, crushing our potential and piling it on. How will history portray us? Attack the family, attack the faith and dreams, attack the body, and the head will fall. A lasting legacy, a ruin brought in haste. 
All right, now the din has died down in your ears and tinnitus has set in. Um, uh, every week we like to feature a track or uh, maybe we might get into concepts. I don't know. <laughs> Here's a concept a little... for you. <laughs> um, a theorem. Yeah, a theorem. <laughs> I'd like to uh, run by you. Like fe- feature a track from uh, people we like, people we think you should like, uh, people you might not know about. Uh, this week we're going to do something from uh, somebody we definitely like. In fact, we love these guys. Uh, the Numero Group. We featured a lot of their music on this site. Uh, very sad when Audio died, mainly because they organized by label. And so every single Numero Group thing was available. Wow. For you to stream, and actually, I reached out to them and they said, Yeah, uh, Spotify doesn't do, do that, neither does Apple Music, and that sucks. Yeah. Um, which is to say that if you are going to be buying music, you should be buying everything the Numero Group puts out. Yes, that is not a uh, we, we do not, in fact, they did not send us the Dark Scorch board game, so we do not receive promotional materials no matter how much we beg. But we still offer that endorsement because they are amazing. Uh, so right now, they are doing the uh, Project 12. It's 12 LPs for one cent. Uh, that actually means plus 20, uh, $249.99. <laughs> <laughs> $249 uh, plus packing. Uh, it's three genres, four seasons. Um, they're basically uh, just releasing to you on a subscription-based service a bunch of eclectic uh, records that you will receive, uh, sort of emulating the Columbia House thing, and uh, basically it's their new jam. Wow! And I, I did not know about that. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. The yeah, new, the Numero Group is is just one of the all time great labels. Um, I'd say the great. Yeah, I actually asked. Um, uh, they're curiously enough, their PR guy is in Pelican in Chicago, who's okay. another awesome band. Mm-hmm. Um, but I asked him about uh, setting something up, and he said, Well, they're never in Chicago anymore because they're always out digging for records. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, they set out all these things. If you're familiar with, with what they do, uh, you know, you're going to get like guaranteed jams like in your, you know, Mailbox, yeah. your stocking and stuff. We want to play one of those uh, up on their SoundCloud uh, just to maybe entice you a little bit here. Uh, and we just picked this at random, I think. Uh, so this is uh, 94 East, I Will Always Love You. And if you subscribe to Project 12, this could be yours. Some strange reason that I can't explain 
right, so 94 East, I will always love you if you subscribe to Project 12. That can be yours. Uh, you know, while I was playing, I was showing Eduardo around a little of the uh, numerous releases we have done here. If you haven't heard the Brother Man soundtrack, what are you doing with your life? Now, I will preface that by saying, uh, and <laughs> this will be self-explanatory when I say this as to why they didn't succeed. The name of the album was for a movie called The Final Solution. <laughs> So let's put that all in perspective. Uh, maybe we'll t- uh, maybe we'll talk about this album a little later because it is utterly fantastic. Uh, Father's Children actually recorded right mm-hmm. here in Adams Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a group up here. It, it, they have right. a GeoCities website. No shit. Wow. Um, uh, you could hire them to write a song. In fact, come to think of it, it probably should hire them to write the theme song for this podcast. For, yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> an amazing label and and just uh, an amazing. Um, I mean, the track was groovy. That was the first time I heard yeah. it. Yeah, and 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 you can if you if you are a Spotify user, there are like user generated playlists yeah. that collect most of the newer group stuff. So if you just want to spend a couple hours doing that, put type that in the search box. Look for users. Look for their playlists. There's some good stuff. You can actually follow the newer group or on we're Spotify. On Spotify. Like maybe we could. Oh yeah, maybe we could. Just or put or check some... out what Chunky Glasses is listening yeah, maybe to. Yeah, we, we'll put together yeah. some uh, some collections. Because I do love those guys, and they, uh, yeah, they're here. Like so there you go, metal and uh, and soul. And numero. About, about our podcast for this week. I think uh, Gus is falling asleep on the couch here. He's he's had it. He's calling the time. I think we're all due. Yeah, yeah. I think a good run. Um, as usual, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. Listen to us on Stitcher. Um, you can listen to us on a boombox. You can put us on a, <laughs> what is it, up to 14.1 surround stereo THX? 14.2? Is that what it is now? I think some people have two subwoofers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I am up, up in the bass in this mix, so you're going to need nice. two subwoofers. <laughs> uh, you know, listen to us, leave some comments. Uh if you fancy you might want to do this, shoot us an email. That's how you ended up here. That's how Patrick that is. ended up here. Uh, we're always open to that. Uh, otherwise, uh, go out this week and enjoy some music. Uh, we're going to talk to you in a few short days. So until then, uh, be good to your ears, be better to your people, and we'll see you later. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>